Book Three, Chapters Four to Seven of History of Animals by Aristotle, translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. And in like manner, the parts of the lesser one of the two chief blood vessels, designated the aorta, branch off, accompanying the branches from the big vein, only that, in regard to the aorta, the passages are less in size, and the branches vary considerably less than are those of the great vein. So much for the veins as observed in the regions above the heart. The part of the great vein that lies underneath the heart extends freely suspended right through the midriff, and is united both to the aorta and the backbone by slack membranous communications. From it one vein, short and wide, extends through the liver, and from it a number of minute veins branch off into the liver and disappear. From the vein that passes through the liver two branches separate off, of which one terminates in the diaphragm or so-called midriff, and the other runs up again through the armpit into the right arm, and unites with the other veins at the inside of the bend of the arm. And it is in consequence of this local connection that, when the surgeon opens this vein in the forearm, the patient is relieved of certain pains in the liver, and from the left-hand side of it there extends a short but thick vein to the spleen, and the little veins branching off it disappear in that organ. Another part branches off from the left-hand side of the great vein, and ascends by a course similar to the course recently described into the left arm only that the ascending vein in the one case is the vein that traverses the liver, while in this case it is distinct from the vein that runs into the spleen. Again, other veins branch off from the big vein, one to the omentum, and another to the pancreas, from which vein run a number of veins through the mesentery. All these veins coalesce in a single large vein along the entire gut and stomach to the esophagus. About these parts there is a great ramification of branch veins. As far as the kidneys, each of the two remaining, undivided, the aorta and the big vein extend, and here they get more closely attached to the backbone, and branch off, each of the two, into a lambda shape and the big vein gets to the rear of the aorta. But the chief attachment of the aorta to the backbone takes place in the region of the heart, and the attachment is effected by means of minute and sinewy vessels. The aorta, just as it draws off from the heart, is a tube of considerable volume, but as it advances in its course it gets narrower and more sinewy, and from the aorta there extend veins to the mesentery, just like the veins that extend thither from the big vein, only that the branches in the case of the aorta are considerably less in magnitude. They are, indeed, 
narrow and fibrillar, and they end in delicate hollow fibre-like veinlets. There is no vessel that runs from the aorta into the liver or the spleen. From each of the two great blood vessels there extend branches to each of the two flanks, and both branches fasten on to the bone. Vessels also extend to the kidneys from the big vein and the aorta, only that they do not open into the cavity of the organ, but their ramifications penetrate into its substance. From the aorta run two other ducts to the bladder, firm and continuous, and there are other ducts from the hollow of the kidneys in no way communicating with the big vein. From the centre of each of the two kidneys springs a hollow, sinewy vein, running along the backbone right through the loins. By and by, each of the two veins first disappears in its own flank, and soon afterwards reappears stretching in the direction of the flank. The extremities of these attach to the bladder, and also in the male to the penis, and in the female to the womb. From the big vein no vein extends to the womb, but the organ is connected with the aorta by veins numerous and closely packed. Furthermore, from the aorta and the great vein, at the points of devarication, there branch off other veins. Some of these run to the groins, large, hollow veins, and then pass on down through the legs and terminate in the feet and toes. And again another set runs through the groins, and the thighs cross garter fashion from right to left and from left to right, and unite in the hams with the other veins. In the above description we have thrown light upon the course of the veins and their points of departure. In all sanguineous animals the case stands as here set forth in regard to the points of departure and the courses of the chief veins. But the description does not hold equally good for the entire vein system in all these animals. For, in point of fact, the organs are not identically situated in them all. And, what is more, some animals are furnished with organs of which other animals are destitute. At the same time, while the description so far holds good, the proof of its accuracy is not equally easy in all cases, but is easiest in the case of animals of considerable magnitude and supplied abundantly with blood. For in little animals and those scantily supplied with blood, either from natural and inherent causes or from a prevalence of fat in the body, thorough accuracy in investigation is not equally attainable. For in the latter of these creatures, the passages get clogged, like water channels, choked with slush, and the others have a few minute fibres to serve instead of veins. But in all cases the big vein is plainly discernible, even in creatures of insignificant size. Chapter 5 The sinews of animals have the following properties. For these also the point of origin is the heart. For the heart has sinews within itself in the largest of its three chambers, and the aorta is a sinew-like vein. In fact, at its extremity it is actually a sinew, for it is there no longer hollow, 
and is stretched like the sinews where they terminate at the jointings of the bones. Be it remembered, however, that the sinews do not proceed in unbroken sequence from one point of origin as do the blood vessels, for the veins have the shape of the entire body, like a sketch of a mannequin, in such a way that the whole frame seems to be filled up with little veins in attenuated subjects, for the space occupied by flesh in fat individuals is filled with little veins in thin ones, whereas the sinews are distributed about the joints and the flexures of the bones. Now, if the sinews were derived in unbroken sequence from a common point of departure, this continuity would be discernible in attenuated specimens. In the ham, or the part of the frame brought into full play in the effort of leaping, is an important system of sinews, and another sinew, a double one, is that called the tendon, and others are those brought into play when a great effort of physical strength is required, that is to say, the epitonos, or backstay, and the shoulder sinews. Other sinews, devoid of specific designation, are situated in the region of the flexures of the bones. For all the bones that are attached to one another are bound together by sinews, and a great quantity of sinews are placed in the neighborhood of all the bones. Only, by the way, in the head there is no sinew, but the head is held together by the sutures of the bones. Sinew is fissile lengthwise, but crosswise it is not easily broken, but admits of a considerable amount of hard tension. In connection with sinews a liquid mucus is developed, white and glutinous, and the organ in fact is sustained by it, and appears to be substantially composed of it. Now, vein may be submitted to the actual cautery, but sinew, when submitted to such action, shrivels up altogether, and if sinews be cut asunder, the severed parts will not again cohere. A feeling of numbness is incidental only to parts of the frame where sinew is situated. There is a very extensive system of sinews connected severally with the feet, the hands, the ribs, the shoulder blades, the neck, and the arms. All animals supplied with blood are furnished with sinews, but in the case of animals that have no flexures to their limbs, but are, in fact, destitute of either feet or hands, the sinews are fine and inconspicuous, and so, as might have been anticipated, the sinews in the fish are chiefly discernible in connection with the fin. Chapter 6 The enus, or fibrous connective tissue, are a something intermediate between sinew and vein. Some of them are supplied with fluid, the lymph, and they pass from sinew to vein, and from vein to sinew. There is another kind of enus, or fibre, that is found in blood, but not in the blood of all animals alike. If this fibre be left in the blood, the blood will coagulate. If it be removed or extracted, the blood is found to be incapable of coagulation. 
while however this fibrous matter is found in the blood of the great majority of animals it is not found in all for instance we fail to find it in the blood of the deer the roe the antelope and some other animals and owing to this deficiency of the fibrous tissue the blood of these animals does not coagulate to the extent observed in the blood of other animals the blood of the deer coagulates to about the same extent as that of the hare that is to say the blood in either case coagulates but not into a stiff or jelly-like substance like the blood of ordinary animals but only into a flaccid consistency like that of milk which is not subjected to the action of rennet the blood of the antelope admits of a firmer consistency in coagulation for in this respect it resembles or only comes a little short of the blood of sheep such are the properties of vein sinew and fibrous tissue chapter seven the bones in animals are all connected with one single bone and are interconnected like the veins in one unbroken sequence and there is no instance of a bone standing apart by itself in all animals furnished with bones the spine or backbone is the point of origin for the entire osseous system the spine is composed of vertebrae and it extends from the head down to the loins the vertebrae are all perforated and above the bony portion of the head is connected with the topmost vertebrae and is designated the skull and the serrated lines on the skull are termed sutures the skull is not formed alike in all animals in some animals the skull consists of one single undivided bone as in the case of the dog in others it is composite in structure as in man and in the human species the suture is circular in the female while in the male it is made up of three separate sutures uniting above in three-corner fashion and instances have been known of a man's skull being devoid of suture altogether the skull is composed not of four bones but of six two of these are in the region of the ears small in comparison with the other four from the skull extend the jaws constituted of bone animals in general move the lower jaw the river crocodile is the only animal that moves the upper one in the jaws is the tooth system and the teeth are constituted of bone and are halfway perforated and the bone in question is the only kind of bone which it is found impossible to grave with a graving tool on the upper part of the course of the backbone are the collar bones and the ribs the chest rests on ribs and these ribs meet together whereas the others do not for no animal has bone in the region of the stomach then come the shoulder bones or blade bones and the arm bones connected with these and the bones in the hands connected with the bones of the arms with animals that have four legs the osseous system of the foreleg resembles that of the arm in man below the level of the backbone after the haunch bone comes the hip socket then the leg bones those in the thighs and those in the shins which are termed 
colenis, or limb-bones, a part of which is the ankle, while a part of the same is the so-called plectrum in those creatures that have an ankle, and connected with these bones are the bones in the feet. Now, with all animals that are supplied with blood and furnished with feet, and are at the same time viviparous, the bones do not differ greatly one from another, but only in the way of relative hardness, softness, or magnitude. A further difference, by the way, is that in one and the same animal certain bones are supplied with marrow, while others are destitute of it. Some animals might, on casual observation, appear to have no marrow whatsoever in their bones, as is the case with the lion, owing to his having marrow only in small amount, poor and thin, and in very few bones, for marrow is found in his thigh and arm bones. The bones of the lion are exceptionally hard, so hard, in fact, that if they are rubbed hard against one another, they emit sparks like flint stones. The dolphin has bones, and not fish spine. Of the other animals supplied with blood, some differ but little, as is the case with birds. Others have systems analogous as fishes, for viviparous fishes, such as the cartilaginous species, are grizzle-spined, while the ovipara have a spine which corresponds to the backbone in quadrupeds. This exceptional property has been observed in fishes, that in some of them there are found delicate spines scattered here and there throughout the fleshy parts. The serpent is similarly constructed to the fish. In other words, his backbone is spinous. With oviparous quadrupeds, the skeleton of the larger ones is more or less osseous, of the smaller ones more or less spinous. But all sanguineous animals have a backbone of either one kind or other, that is, composed either of bone or of spine. The other portions of the skeleton are found in some animals and not found in others, but the presence or the absence of this and that part carries with it, as a matter of course, the presence or the absence of the bones, or the spines corresponding to this or that part. For animals that are destitute of arms and legs cannot be furnished with limb-bones, and in like manner with animals that have the same parts, but yet have them unlike in form. For in these animals the corresponding bones differ from one another in the way of relative excess or relative defect, or in the way of analogy, taking the place of identity. So much for the osseous or spinous systems in animals. End of chapter 7